I'm Brian Santo, EE Times Editor-in-Chief. You're listening to EE Times On Air. And this is your weekly briefing for the week ending July 9th. This episode is brought to you by Power Integrations, innovation in power conversion. In 1999, race car driver Sam Schmidt won his first IndyCar race. The following year, in a practice run for another race, Schmidt flipped his car. The crash severed his spine, rendering Schmidt a quadriplegic. For the next 14 years, Schmidt's only vehicle for personal mobility was a wheelchair. Then, in 2014, engineers from Aero Electronics created a car that would not only let Schmidt drive again, it let him race again. This is Sam Schmidt in a video filmed in 2014 after getting another chance to drive again. For 15 years, I finally feel normal because this is a normal thing to do when you're not paralyzed. And now I can do it like anybody else. But even that thrill doesn't overshadow the dream. When I crashed, my daughter was two. Now she is 16. She doesn't remember a single hug from her daddy or a bounce on my knee. But I have no regrets, only hope, and thousands upon thousands of hours of sweat equity invested in my recovery. Because the dream is still the same, when my little girl gets married, it will be her father that walks her down the aisle. That was recorded seven years ago. Last year, Sam Schmidt's daughter got married, and Schmidt, equipped with a new exoskeleton created by Aero Electronics, danced with his daughter at her wedding. We'll get to the story of Sam Schmidt, the Sam Carr, and the Sam Suit in just a minute. As befits a weekly briefing, here are some brief summaries of the articles we've published in EE Times this week. Modern society is rushing headlong to connect everything, and the basic problem is that connecting everything without strong security is stupid. We don't want criminal hackers taking over our security cameras, or our cars, or Well, we really don't want criminal hackers taking over anything if we can help it. But we don't really have strong security for the Internet of Things yet. Intrinsic ID is a company that specializes in physical unclonable functions, otherwise known as PUFFs. The idea with PUFFs is that every single semiconductor device made has microscopic variations and those variations can be encoded as unique identifiers that can be the basis for a potentially effective security system. Read our latest installment of the EE Times C-Suite interview series with Intrinsic ID CEO Pim Tulls. Autonomous vehicles will rely on sensors, and different types of sensors can be compromised by everything from mud to spattered bugs to rain. We're going to want to keep sensors clear and unobstructed, but there's still no agreement on how to do that. What are the possibilities? We've got a story on that. It's called Sensors Create a Cleaning Nightmare. We've also got stories on yet another possible fusion reactor, about the FTC and the FCC both chastising Broadcom for monopoly practices, and about the new requirements by the federal agency concerned with highway safety that might finally pave the way for some rules of the road for assisted driving and autonomous vehicles. 
For all of these stories and more industry news and analysis, visit our website at eetimes.com. If you're on this podcast episode's webpage, look to your left and you'll see links to all of the stories we mentioned today. More than 1% of all Americans have some form of paralysis. At the very high end of the estimate, that might mean as many as 7 million people with restricted mobility in the U.S. alone. For much of recorded history, inventors have been devising clever ways to help people with limited mobility get around. In recent decades, what had been purely mechanical systems have been outfitted with increasingly sophisticated electronics. Wheelchairs, for example, have been around for at least 250 years, but eventually engineers added first motors and then started adding automated features, offering gradually increasing amounts of autonomy even for quadriplegics. And as the technology has become more sophisticated, so too have the solutions that are available to those with mobility restrictions. In 2014, Aero Electronics created a car that could be driven by a quadriplegic. Last year, the company devised an exoskeleton that would allow a quadriplegic to walk. Today, we talk with Victor Gao, Chief Marketing Officer of Aero Electronics, the developer of the semi-autonomous mobility car, and the SAM suit. So that's SAM for semi-autonomous mobility. I asked Victor how the idea for the SAM car first came about. Yeah. Hey, Brian. Uh, thanks for having me here. Uh, yeah, this story goes back about seven years. So Aero, we, we do obviously a lot of engineering and, um, you know, our goal, this idea of technology makes life better. We started to look into, you know, how to help uh, disabled folks. If you think about veterans and, you know, farm workers or construction workers, some, you know, so many have, you know, had accidents and are looking for a way to regain their independence economically, um, just or even just from a day-to-day standpoint. So uh, we're based in Colorado and we started working with uh, Craig Hospital, uh, one of the one of the biggest uh, you know uh, centers out here. And uh, through them serendipitously met uh, Sam Schmidt. And Sam is a IndyCar driver. Uh, he 21 years ago in Florida during a practice uh, had an accident and slammed into the wall and uh, became a quadriplegic. So what that means is from the neck down, he really doesn't have you know, any feelings at all. And what really inspired us when we met Sam was um, you know, years on, not only was his prognosis only a few months and he's you know, definitely beat that by a far stretch, um, he didn't focus on himself as much as the idea of him recovering and then throwing himself back into being a productive member uh, in the motor sports world, obviously, but also more broadly speaking, um, helping others uh, rehabilitate and recover and learn how to be independent, even if uh, their bodies are not uh, the same as before. So this idea of, you know, Sam inspiring so many others uh, was very inspirational for us. So our engineers um, sat down with Sam and kind of, you know, looked at his medical situation, we were working with Craig Hospital to understand from that perspective, the medical perspective, and then quickly, you know, developed, uh, you know, leveraging a combination of off-the-shelf technology that's available out there, um, but also um, Arrow's own engineering software uh, and hardware to put together a car for him. 
uh, and uh, and the rest is history. <laughs> to put together a car for him. That sounds simple, but it wasn't because it wasn't just a car. It was a race car. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I, I met Sam briefly and talked to him. I, the guy is amazing. But uh, when he got back into motorsports, uh, he, he actually had his own racing team. So he was still involved in motorsports. And uh, his dream was to, to get back in a car. Now, you guys were talking about just, um, you know, just giving him his mobility back and, and hoping to use that same technology to, to give other people their mobility, their, their vehicular mobility. Sam gets in this thing and he's doing 100 miles an hour and screaming around corners as close as he can do it. That, that's I mean, that, was, that was amazing technology. So that so you're right. That was version one. Uh, you know, years ago, we actually just this February went out to the Kennedy Space Center in Florida, and Sam broke the 200 miles per hour. So that's 201 miles per hour, and that you know, by the way, is IndyCar Formula One speed, right? Because the pull speed <laughs> you would expect from IndyCar is 240, 250, uh, and Sam is. Definitely going as fast as Pottle Award uh, or Felix uh, Rosenquist on his team. <laughs> He's an amazing guy. So it was cool that you found somebody who was both uh, almost literally driven. Um, and, and this is a guy who who works with machinery for a living. So uh, I, I imagine he was a really great partner to try out technologies that you developed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, that's with Sam Schmidt, and uh, that was the original Sam project. Um, let's talk about uh, what happened next. We, we we went from simply driving from from a, from motor vehicle mobility to personal mobility. That was that, that's an interesting leap. Yeah. So um, we're talking about the Sam suit. So you know, with the Sam car. Um, you know, Sam is able to not only participate at IndyCar speeds. I mean, he he drove it up to Pikes Peak here in Colorado, which is again one of those bucket list drives. If you're a racer, you you want to do that able-bodied racer. You want to do that anyway. So for Sam to be able to do that with his family there cheering on, aero engineers cheering on, that was a big deal. But here's the thing about Sam: that was not enough for him, and we love him because of it. So yeah. he then a few years ago gave us a challenge because he's, you know, his daughter at the time was, uh, was in her late teens and, um, Sam approached us one day and said, Hey, you know, gee, you know, I don't know when, but my daughter, uh, one day will get married and, um, I would love to be able to walk her down the aisle or at least do a father daughter dance with her. What do you guys think? Can you, you know, help me walk? And so we are exactly like Sam. So when <laughs> he gave us a challenge that sounds crazy, we say, let's go for it. And so, again, our aero engineers jumped in, a group of project leads, and um, decided that, hey, let's look at what's available. And so what's going on here is, you know, from a technical standpoint, we're able to repurpose, Brian, a lot of the mm -hmm. technology from the Sam car, right? So um, sensors. Uh, a lot of the, the semi-autonomous aspect of it. Um, so we work with an ex, ex, uh, existing exoskeleton technology company. But mm -hmm. what's different is 
very similar to autonomous driving technology, to get someone to walk in a suit who doesn't have much feeling below the neck, it's as much about the sensors you place outside Mm -hmm. the vehicle, in this case, the suit, as it is in. And so we've been working with um, the University of Lisbon, who has a trove of Tour de France uh, data uh, and other sort of, you know, sports data that analyzes on a skeletal basis that particular set of parameters uh, beyond which uh, if uh, if things are exceeded, the person is likely to fall. And so in version one of the Sam suit, we don't have that technology. We still have a, you know, a person, an aide to help Sam uh, uh, stay upright. I mean, he's it's him walking, but you know, the balance and all that is still with the help of, a, of another human aid. But the goal in, in version two would be to work in that uh, AI and visual, that machine uh, machine vision technology so that uh, as Sam is, is picking his, you know, artificial exoskeleton up, that is him doing it. But if he exceeds certain things, there's that stability that would kick in. That is phenomenal. You're, it's not like it's not like Sigourney Weaver in Aliens, right? No. It's no. it's he's an incredibly ambitious and smart guy, but but that's that's a really tough engineering challenge. That's it's a very impressive thing to be able to do to to even get to the point where, I mean, like I've got two daughters. Dancing with your daughter at at a at a wedding is just like that's that's a killer concept. Yeah, you, you know what's uh, what's really touching. I, I think it, it just it was in some in many ways just so profound when we spoke to Sam after the wedding and asked him how it felt. Um, he said that um, for the first time in a long time, he didn't need to look up to look at people's eyes anymore. Wow, felt like um, wow. He, he was normal. Um, the last time he said that was when he was racing our car down, right? hundred plus miles per hour at racetrack. But this is really on a much more personal level, um, to your point earlier, where the car helped Sam, you know, become a racer again. And, and his sentiment was the suit is helping him become a person again. And it was, you know, first time him, him and his wife danced uh, uh, in, in 21 years, the first time he's ever danced, uh, with his daughter, because, uh, when he had the accident, yeah. his daughter was just, you know, one or two years old. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a beautiful story. Uh, it, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm getting chucked up here. I'm just going to move on, over to the next question before he literally starts sobbing. That's, that's just too much. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, so the story doesn't end there. Uh, as good as it, that, that would be a great place to end, but it's not even close. You guys are taking the suit and, and Sam to Goodwood, right? Yep. Now, um, personally, I don't know that much about Goodwood. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if a lot of people know that much about Goodwood. Why don't you tell us what that is, what the event is, um, why it's significant. And then let's talk about what we can expect to see there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Goodwood uh, belongs to a group of places where if you if you love history and love racing, there's uh, really nowhere else more exciting to be. Uh, so it's um, it's in Chichester, um, uh, which is in the south of England, mm-hmm. uh, West Sussex County. And um, 
much like Silverstone or Dunnington Park, uh, Goodwood was was actually one of the you know places that was requisitioned during World War II by the British government uh, for the war effort. Uh, and in fact, the the mighty Eighth U.S. Air Force and the the British Royal Air Force frequently flew joint missions from Goodwood at the time. Um, it was designated as uh, Royal Air Force uh, West Hamnet. And so after the war, uh, Lord Marsh, the ninth Duke of Richmond and, and owner of the Goodwood Estates, he was also an engineer and a volunteer aviator during the war. So he converted the uh, periphery road of Goodwood, uh, the airstrip, into a, racing yeah. into a racing circuit. So, you know, that was, um, you know, the, the effect of that was, you know, not only did it promote the automotive industry and, you know, frankly, a lot of the life enhancing technologies that uh, the industry embodied at the time, you know, the, the Goodwood Circuit also created many jobs uh, for the local community. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a racing fan, but if you're also a history fan, you'll know that, you know, even though motorsports at Goodwood has always been this this proud celebration of the uh, of competition, of the ingenuity of modern engineering, there's always also been this this conscious elevation of of civic contribution um of uh, international uh, friendships and and just how important partnerships are in in making progress and so you know in that spirit you know this has been a bucket list for sam and so you know arrow we're super proud and excited to support sam uh in going to goodwood i mean when you have you know british racing uh royalty basically the, the likes of jim clark and Jackie Stewart, uh, and certainly with our connection with McLaren, uh, Ayrton Senna and Bruce McLaren, they have all, you know, uh, participated in Goodwood before. So what Sam will do at Goodwood, uh, which is, uh, you know, July 8th through the 11th, is um, he's going to participate in the hill climb. So the hill climb is a, you know, a couple of uh, miles, 2.4 miles of, of a track that starts, you know, at, at the base of, uh, of a hill and goes up to Goodwood House. And uh, Sam is going to be driving the Sam car. Uh, in fact, he's going to be a regular participant and a competitor. And we say regular because, you know, almost everybody we know of are, you know, are not like Sam. It's a timed uh, competition. And it, it's, it's a really tricky track, too, because there's not a whole lot of uh, turnouts, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you're going fast. You know, you want a lot of downforce. Uh, but you also know you have minimal uh, room for error. And if you do make an error, it's going to hurt. And so Sam, again, just, you know, just like how he did the bike speak and just like how he asked us to help him with the Sam suit is putting himself out there, not only because that's just how he is. He's a fierce, fierce competitor. But I think also the idea of inspiring others to you know, not be limited by, 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 by themselves. Uh, so that's what Sam will be doing. He'll be doing the hill climb. And we're also going to be bringing the Sam suit. Uh, we're going to be exhibiting in, you know, helping him uh, put on a showcase for it at the uh, Future Lab area of the Goodwood Festival Speed, which has always been a, you know, sort of a, a place where future technologies are looked at. Um, so, you know, a lot of the thing, a lot of times we we talk about the rear view uh, mirror technology. It's a technology came off of racing the racetrack, and so the idea here would be, you know, as we you know, demonstrate what the Sam suit could do and what the Sam cars could do. Could do it could inspire other uh, technology companies uh, and partners to 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 lean into this area. We've mentioned uh, we've mentioned his 
participation in the Pikes Peak Challenge a couple times. That's also a time trial thing. And it's worth noting that, uh, again, not safe with a bunch of hairpins up a mountain road. Do not try this at home. Do not try this at home. (laughs) This guy, Sam, actually came in the middle of the pack. He did. He's not just participating. There's no participation trophies for him as far as he's concerned. He's competing. That's what I love about this guy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're talking about Sam Schmidt a lot. Um, but the technology is really cool in and of itself. And um, I'm wondering if uh, if you could say a few words about um, about extrapolating the technology. Is it, uh, you know, uh, what uh, what are the hopes for, uh, you know, uh, assisted driving? What are the hopes for, you know, assisting people to walk? Yeah, you know, I think this really um Although at the time we started working on the projects, you know, we and our engineers didn't really think a whole lot about where we could be today. The idea of edge compute, mm-hmm. the idea of uh, all kinds of sensors, not just motion, but, you know, temperature, humility, uh, anything that could give you environmental data. <clears throat> and racing is clearly a sort of high Velocity, high inertia, high vibration uh, environment. I mean, anything that you could think of that are super tough. So um, the the extraction uh, to your question about, you know, how we we kind of thought about the SAM car and the SAM suit and autonomous driving is, you know, so we looked at what was out there, right? We're not trying to create something that doesn't exist from scratch, but it's there's a there's a system that's uh, widely used. It's called the sip and puff system. So there's a, you know, just like you you sip on your water when you go mountain climbing uh, from a pipe, uh, what you would do, how Sam controls the Sam car is when he puffs on that pipe, the car accelerates up to 200 miles per hour now, uh, or when he sips, the car breaks. Uh, we've got sensors on his head, um, on, on a cap and on, on glasses where Depending on where he's looking, there are all these very, very uh, sensitive controls that he could affect. And the idea would be to extract that and put that in a suit. So when he walks, it is him initiating that walk. Yes. Um, when he stops, it's him initiating that stop. And where the sensors come in, and so walking is actually uh, – so think, if you think of driving as a two-dimensional project, mm-hmm. uh, because it is – Walking is actually three-dimensional because now you're talking about, you know, gait. You're talking about one leg picking up and then placing down the other. Uh, And so you're on this three-dimensional, in this three-dimensional space, thinking about how all the sensors on the edge need to be computing, need to be adjusting. So things like preloading environmental data uh, into, you know, the onboard uh, chip or things like you know other ways where we could make compute that much faster. What happens if he falls? Do we need to you know create another apparatus to either prevent that or to shield him? So the you know the, it's both a very very hard engineering challenge. But I think you're right that there's also a lot we could extract from the car that we've learned specifically around the data and the edge compute that um, in a world of hardware is more important than ever. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a it's it's two fantastic 
wonderful uh, engineering uh, challenges and achievements. Um, and if people are interested, uh, I understand that uh, Arrow is willing to help partners out with uh, similar technology. Yeah, you know, we um, so when we created this technology, we wanted to make it uh, open source. Now, it's not open source in the sense that uh, anybody would just go on. We we do have a a vetting process to make sure that is uh, it's used uh, properly. But um, you know, having said that, we are very much uh, making this technology available to partners that have shown a track record and have shown credibility in devoting resources to improve. Uh, the quality of life, uh, you know, for for their for their users, for their customers. So we're and you know we'll make it available free of charge. All right. Thank you very much, Victor. We appreciate having you come on. Thanks for having us. Cheer for us uh, in July. You got it. That was Victor Gao, Chief Marketing Officer of Arrow Electronics. EE Times is part of the publishing company AspenCore, and AspenCore is owned by Arrow Electronics. And that is a wrap for this episode of The Weekly Briefing. Thank you for listening. We'd like to thank the sponsor of this episode, Power Integrations. Visit this episode's webpage to find links to videos from Power Integrations explaining green energy, gallium nitride semiconductors, and other subjects associated with advanced power technology. Power Integrations, innovation in power conversion. This podcast is available on all the major podcast platforms, but if you get to us via our website at eetimes.com slash podcasts, you'll find a transcript along with links to the stories we mentioned. The Weekly Briefing is produced by EE Times. It was engineered by Taylor Marvin and Greg McRae at Coop Studios. The segment producer was Katie Huss. I'm Brian Santo. See you next week.